Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Thank you for joining us. You are listening to a ministry of Crossview Church with Pastor Kevin Hardcastle. All right, it's great to have you guys here. How are we doing today? All right, good to have you here. Open your Bibles to Philippians, the book of Philippians. We're going to turn there and we're going to start reading there today. Philippians chapter 3 is actually where we're going to pick up. It is great to have you here once again. We're so honored that you came, you've come to worship with us today here at Crossview. And I know that in our times today, you're probably questioning, uh, will we continue to do this? Will we continue to meet? We're here as long as they allow us to be, and we're going to do our best to, uh, to uh, have a, a place for you to worship. So thank you once again for being here. And, uh, you know, our country and our world is just at a place that needs lots of prayer. Can someone say that's right? I hope you're praying for the world. I hope you're praying for the country, not just yourself, but our country as well as we continue to navigate these challenging days. And that's kind of what this series that we've been in has been all about. It's about being overwhelmed in this world, that this world, unfortunately, is in chaos and is in turmoil. Um, when men are in control, when, when human beings, men and women, are in control, chaos seems to always find its place. Uh, there's, because why? We're all flawed. We're all sinners. We're all, we're all trying to, to achieve uh, something in life. As Christians, we're trying to achieve to be more like Jesus. But in a world, they're trying to achieve success. They're trying to achieve the next run of the ladder. They're trying to achieve the next big paycheck. Uh, they're trying to achieve uh, success and fame. And with all that comes lots of evil, lots of, lots of selfish intentions, and when you get selfish intentions into the world, it is exactly what happened in the garden. Things go bad real fast. Hello? Are you all with me today? You guys, are you all with me today? I need you to help me out today. Uh, that things can go bad. And so what we're looking at in this series, Overwhelmed, is we're looking at a man named Paul and how he was in the same kind of world. In fact, what we're experiencing today in our world today is, is nothing that's really new to humanity. We've had different phases of this throughout history. And, and, and Paul, in Philippians, he's experiencing the same kind of overwhelming circumstances coming up against him. If you remember what we talked about, uh, Paul, in this particular writing of not this book, but this letter to the church in Philippi, he is uh, in chains. He's, he's in prison. He's shackled to a guard every four hours in rotation. Another guard comes in and takes over. He, he has no privacy. He has no seclusion whatsoever. And Paul has every reason in the world to feel discouraged, overwhelmed, uh, really just kind of chuck in and say, it's not really worth it. At any point, he could have just said, you know what, this is not worth it following Christ this way. It's not worth living for God this way. And so I'm just going to check out. But Paul doesn't do that. In fact, in the book of Philippians, if you look there, if you have your Bibles, open those up to me. Philippians, 
Um, throughout the book of Philippians, he has reoccurring themes, reoccurring statements. He talks about rejoice. He talks about joy. In fact, 17 times in just the book of Philippians, 17 times, Paul admonishes us to either rejoice or be joyful for the circumstance you're facing. Now, I know what you're all thinking right now. How are we supposed to be joyful in the middle of a pandemic? How are we supposed to be joyful in the middle of chaos? How are we supposed to be joyful in the middle of the political chess game that's going on? How are we supposed to be joyful? And this is what I've been talking to you about over the last, ever since uh, the 1st of June. We've been talking about how we can find joy in even very hurtful or painful or confusing circumstances, how to handle conflict we've been talking about. We've been talking about how to handle stress, how to find satisfaction and how to succeed even when the world is not going the way that we think it should go. God has a game that we're in, and the game we're in, we can win with Christ. We can only win with Christ. And in this, in this game that we're going through, many of us would say, I'm not trying to live life. I'm just trying to endure life. <laughs> just trying to wake up, make it through one more day, and put my head down on my pillow and start all over again. It's not the way God wants us to enjoy it. In fact, I just have a question for you. What steals your joy in life? What just... You could have a great day and something happens and man, it turn, you turn on a dime and man, it just triggers you. Think about that. Just think, what is that thing? Is it, is it the person as you're waiting at the grocery store for the front spot, some jerk weaves in there and takes it just as you get ready to park the car? Does that suck your joy away? You're driving in traffic, someone cuts you off, don't even use a turn signal. Is that, does that take away your joy? What sucks your joy of life? Think about that for a second. What just takes away? Gone. A boss that is unappreciative of you, demands more and more of you every single day, and all of a sudden they come to you one day and they give you just one more thing that they expect you to do, and immediately you turn, your joy turns to grief. What what just sucks your joy? What is it? Is it when you see injustice in the world, when you see abuse in the world? What takes away your joy? Here's, here's what I've learned as when I'm in the church, the longer I'm in the church, the longer I, I, the older I get. So many times people, when they're young Christians or whenever they're new Christians and new believers, they have this, this radiant joy about them that just radiates from every part of their life. Uh, there's something different about them. And you're just like, wow, what do they have? It's, it's new. It's fresh. It's, uh, it's this, this, this fire inside of them that goes. And then as they walk through life and as they, become, uh, as they become older in the faith, it seems like they start to lose their joy. And you start to see this in the church. You see people who have been walking with Christ maybe for 30 and 40 years. You're like, you don't know if they're joyful or if they're just showing up. You don't know where their joy is. They don't have a smile on their face. They don't have no pep in their step. Now, maybe they're just getting older, but maybe there's something else that's going on. What is happening to our joy as Christ followers in this situation right now? We're in the world. We should be the most optimistic, the most joyful people, in, not denying, but believing 
that our God is bigger. Are you with me? Hello? But I, I have watched individuals go through this, and I've watched people become anxiety-filled and anxious-driven and fearful-bound and fear-laden, and I've watched their hearts become heavy. And now, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying precautions. I'm saying genuinely fearing something that we must be cautious about, but we don't have to fear, for God is in control. We trust him, we pray, and we ask God to help guide our steps. So in the middle of what we're going through, being overwhelmed in life right now, I want to talk with you about probably one of the most timely messages of this entire series, and that is how to maintain joy. How do we maintain our joy? How do we continue to capture our joy when it seems like everything else is pressing around us and it just seems like there's no reason really to get out of bed? How do we maintain our joy? And Paul's going to talk about this today and just a few of these verses that we're going to read today. And he's going to kind of expound on how he maintained his joy in the middle of a very trying circumstance. So let's start by reading today. Uh, look at Philippians chapter 3, verse 1. Here's what Paul says. Read along with me. It says, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord, he ex with an exclamation point. It is no trouble for me to write, to write the same thing to you again, and it is a what? Say it with me. Say it with me. It is a safeguard for you. What is a safeguard? A safeguard is something that it's like guardrails when you're going across a bridge. Aren't you glad they have some guardrails on going across the bridge? I know some of you, I'm glad they have guardrails because I've watched you drive. You need guardrails. The guardrails help keep you from going off the bridge into your death. It holds you in place. Well, this is what safeguards are. Safeguards are the things that Paul's going to talk about today are things that help us guardrail and maintain our distance, our, our trajectory in joy. Because if we go off to the right or we go off to the left, we're going to lose our joy, even in the middle of the circumstance that we're going through right now. So I have three thoughts that Paul says, I want to write to you again about these safeguards, and here's what I'm going to encourage you with. Three, three safeguards I want to give to you today that will help us maintain our joy. Number one, resist legalistic attitude. Turn to your neighbor and say, legalistic. It's a big word. Not talking about a lawyer, not talking about judicial system. I'm talking about legalism. What is legalism? Here's what legalism. Legalism is the substituting of rules and regulations for my relationship with God. Legalism says this in a summary, I must do for God what God can't do for me almost diminishing God to this, this subpar creator. See, without legalism, it is God's already done it. We get to live in it joyfully. But with legalism, we say, well, he's done it, but I got to help him maintain it. I got to help him continue to help. I got to help God get something done. You ever do that? You ever tell somebody, uh, 
to go do something, maybe one of your kids, you say, hey, would you go do blah, 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 blah. And then you watch them do it, and they're not doing it the way you would do it, so what do you do? You jump in, and you do it for them. And you know what? Those kids are so smart, they just learned. I never had to do it. I'll just play stupid every time. I'll tell you how it worked in my home. Here's how it worked in my home. So my, me and my brother, we were responsible for taking out the trash. And, you know, even though trash is the same day every week, it's the same day down to the curb every single week. You guys know it's, it's not rocket science here. You know, it doesn't take much. Every Tuesday, get the trash down to the curb. When I was growing up, Kelly and I, we were responsible for taking the trash down. Well, we always had these critters in our neighborhood, and we didn't have the big trash cans you have now. You know, we had the old metal ones, you know, that you could breathe and they would blow over the old aluminum ones. And, um, and so, they, needless to say, every time we'd take the trash down, there'd be trash everywhere. And we'd have to wake up early on Wednesday, on, on Wednesday morning, uh, or Tuesday morning, and we'd have to go out and get all that trash picked up before the, the people came, the trash men, to take the trash away. And needless to say, my brother, he did a very horrible job of picking up trash. Now, how, how stupid do you have to be to not be able to pick up trash? But he seemed to create a way that he couldn't do it as well as I could do it. So you know what? Guess who got honorary trash picker upper? Kevin. Because I could do it better than my brother. And I'm like, he just totally got the system. But then my parents said, well, you know, we'll give Kelly the mowing of the lawn. How often do you mow the lawn? Once or twice a week and only for a season. I had the trash all year long. I got totally ripped off in that. I'm still bitter, Mom and Dad. You're going to hear about it. But... The Jew, there was a group of people in the time of Paul that were called the Judaizers, and Judaizers were people that believed that it wasn't just Jesus. It was Jesus and then some more. It wasn't just enough that Jesus went to the cross and died for our sins. It was Jesus went to the cross and died for our sins, and because he did, I had to do more things in order to keep him loving me and forgiving me. They fell under this legalistic idea. And in verse three, here's what, verse two and three, here's what Paul says. Paul says, he speaks about these Judaizers. He says, watch out for those evil dogs, for those who do evil, those dogs, men who insist on cutting the body. We worship God by his spirit and rejoice in our life in Christ Jesus. We do not put any trust in external ceremonies. And here's what he was saying is, Whenever Jesus came and died upon the cross and gave his life, no longer was there any need for sacrifices, for the sacrifices of animals. The sacrificial system had been completed through Christ, but also circumcision. Circumcision is a, is a, a, a ritual that in the day, biblical days, it sorted out different tribes. And the Israel tribe, the Israelites, were the tribe that believed in circumcision. Well, what they were saying in, in, in this particular thing and what Paul is trying to say, he's trying to say, listen, don't, if you're a Gentile, you've never been circumcised and you're 30 years old, you don't have to come to the church and all of a sudden now they're going to pull you in the back room and circumcise you. I don't know about you guys, I would not sign up for that church. I wouldn't be there. They said, hey, um, we got to talk to you back here. I'm, like, yeah, I'm out. I'm gone. I'm not going to go back there. And what Paul is saying, he says, watch out for those who do evil, those dogs. Now, when he's talking about dogs, let me tell you, he's not talking about the cuddly, the cutesy, cut up, uh, cuddle up and snuggle and everything. No, no, no. In those days, dogs were wild. They were scavengers. They, they, they would eat anything. They, were, uh, they weren't pets. They weren't house pets. 
Um, and so he says, he's talking about these evil people. So my first safeguard I want to I encourage you with is this. Live each day by grace. Say that with me. Live each day by grace. Say it again. Live each day by grace. First guardrail. We're going to live each day through God's grace so we don't fall under legalism. See, Paul had every reason in the world to be legitimately, legitimately um, a, a Jewish religious icon. Here's what he says. He says, though I myself have reason for such confidence. What confidence? Confidence in what I do in the flesh and how I live my life. If anyone else thinks he has a reason to put confidence in his flesh, I have more, Paul says. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee. As for zeal, I persecuted the church. As for legalistic righteousness, I was flawless. Paul says, hey, listen, you think you can do it right? I thought I was doing it right. I had checked all the boxes. I grew up as a, as a Jewish person. I was a descendant of the tribe of Benjamin. I was circumcised early on. I was not just that, but I was a religious Pharisee, and I was killing the early church in the name of my God. And I was persecuting the church. He says, you think you had it down? No, I had it better. See, how do you know when you've fallen into the trap of legalism? Here's just five things I want to give you. You begin to trust in rituals, coming to church, doing this, doing that, check, check. You trust in race, your ethnicity, how you were growing up, how you were descendants of. You trust in religion. He said, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. Number four, you trust in rules. I woke up this morning, I did my thing, and now I'm good with God. You trust your reputation. You trust in what you've done. Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. See? Paul said Christianity wasn't about mere rules and rituals and regulations. No, it's about this deep-seated relationship with Christ. A, Christian, uh, a Christian's relationship with Christ is the core essence of who we are as believers, walking with God daily. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to resist legalistic attitude. The second thing is this, reevaluate your priorities. Where are your priorities at? today in our world. Where are your priorities at today? Worry. Is your, is your priorities in trying to figure out this or that? Where do you find your, your priorities? Here's what Paul says, verse 7 and 8. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, I got to start that over. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider as lost for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything. What is it? I consider what? Say it with me. I consider everything. Say it with me again. Everything is what? A loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all 
all things. I considered them rubbish that I may gain. Stop right there. Just keep it up there for a second, will you guys? This is what Paul is saying. He is saying, everything I've done, all the accomplishments, all the success, all the prestige, all the, all the glory I had, all my past, I counted all nothing. Because the only thing that matters is that I know Jesus. And he knows me. Whether I'm shackled to guards every single moment of my life. Whether I get out of chains and I get to go succeed at something else, it does not matter. Right here, right now, all the things I've accomplished, all the things I've done, all my past is nothing. The only thing that I want to do is know Jesus. That word rubbish translates to not just trash, but it translates to dung, to manure, to caca, to poo-poo, to dookie. Say all the words in a want. That's what it can translate to. It translates to the most disgusting thing because it means nothing. It meant nothing to Paul. Safeguard number two is this. Keep your priorities in perspective. Know what's to profit and know what it is that you can lose. What do you want to profit, and what can you stand to lose? Where's your priorities? Where's our priorities? The world would say, profit is finances, profit is power, profit is prestige. Many Husbands and fathers have justified that profit. But I would say that that's a loss. Because with prestige, with power, with finances, with, with success, comes more time away from your family. Comes more time away from the home life. Comes more time to, to away from your wife. And all of a sudden you find yourself at a deep place of loss. See, sometimes in our world, we have it backwards. We, we look at what's profitable as what the world says is profitable instead of what God says is profitable. Here, here's, here's what I'll tell you. What profits? Profit is worry versus peace. I would rather have peace than worry. I would rather profit in peace and lose out on worry. I don't know about you. I hope that's true. I would rather profit in love and lose out on hate. I would rather profit with purpose and lose out on being aimless in this world. I would rather profit heaven and lose out on hell. <laughs> I would rather profit eternal life and lose out on eternal damnation. What is profit? Keep our priorities straight. Keep our safeguards in place. Jim Elliott says he is, uh, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep for, what, for that which he cannot lose. We have to 
have our priorities straight. We have to have legalism, resist legalism. And number three is this, refocus your ambitions. Refocus your ambitions. Verse, verse 10 says it this way. Verse 10, it says, I want to, say it with me, I want to. I want to, say it again, know. Everybody say it with me. I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. I want to what? I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. I want to know him. I don't want to know of him. There's a difference. I don't want to know the Jesus you know. I don't want to know the Jesus my mama knows and my daddy knows and my grandpa knew and my grandma knew. I don't want to know that Jesus. You say, what are you talking about? I want to know Jesus in here. I want to know him. I want to know, I want to be close to him that when he speaks, he doesn't speak through somebody else. He speaks to me, to my soul. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. I want to know him when I wake up in the morning. I want him to be the first thought on my head, not pandemics. Hello? I want, I want to know him that when tragedy strikes, when the phone call comes in, whenever there is something tragic that hits my life, I don't want to go to my wife. I don't want to go to my kids. I don't want to go to Pastor Terry. I want to go to the one that I know can take me through. See, as I've been walking with this and walking through this season with all of you, There have been times that I've been anxious. There have been times I've been worrisome. There have been times that I've thought of my people, I've thought of the people of Crossview, and I've cried out. And it's been in those times that I've had to remind myself, Jesus, they have to know you. They have to know you, that you have them through this time. The Amplified Version says this, For my determined purpose is that I may know Christ, that I may know progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding him more strongly and more clearly. Oh, keep that up there. That I am, for my determined purpose is that I may know Christ. That word know is translated in the Greek into yada. And it's the word that's used in Genesis. Whenever it speaks of two people known of Adam and Eve, it says that Adam knew Eve. Now, not getting sexual, but they knew each other. They were transparent. They had no guards. They had no filters. They, had, they didn't have 
social media to filter out what they didn't like about each other and only put the facade of who Eve was and, oh, maybe he'll like me if I put up this picture of me. They had no filters. They had nothing holding them back. They were intimately knowing each other, laid bare. This is the knowing. How did Paul get through this time? How did Paul walk through his circumstance? He knew Jesus. He knew Christ. And he says, he says, listen, that I may intimately get acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding him more strongly and more clearly, that I might intimately get to know him. Intimately. How do we get to know him intimately? We spend time with God. We spend time with him daily praying, crying out to God. We spend time not just talking, but shutting our mouths and listening to God and hearing the stillness of his voice calming our souls in our anxious, stricken world. We allow him to settle us through his calmness. We talk to him. We say, well, I'm not a good prayer, okay? Don't be a good prayer. Be a good talker. Talk to him. Just talk to him. Just, you don't have to pray, oh, our Father, who I mean, that's great. I, I, you do that, that's great. That's a great prayer. That's how Jesus taught us how to pray. But you know what? When I was little, I didn't know the Lord's Prayer. All I knew is how to talk to Jesus. And I said stupid stuff when I talked to Jesus. There were even times that I had to apologize to Jesus because I offended him, I'm sure, at some point in my talking. But you know what? Jesus probably wasn't offended because Jesus wanted me to talk to him, spend time with him, talk to him, get to know him. Trusting, spend time, talk, trust, trust him. Trust him that he's gonna bring you through. Trusting that right now with what we're going through, he's gonna bring us through. He's gonna hold us. He's gonna take care of us. He's gonna walk through us with, with all these things we have going on. He is there with us, trusting. Safeguard number three is this get to know Christ better. Get to know Christ better and better and better. Let me ask you a question, families. Through this process, how many of you sat your kids down and just talked and prayed with them? No matter how little or old they are. How many of you have taken the situations before God? Talking spending time with him, trusting him through this season that we're going through. See, slowly and subtly, if we're not careful, we'll fall into legalism. And if, we, if we're not careful, we'll change our priorities. If we're not careful, we'll lose our perspective on what's going down. But Christ wants to know us, and we want to know him. Bow your heads with me. Father, are the one that we can trust. We can't trust governments. We can't trust our jobs. We can't trust the economy. We can't trust any of the things this world has to offer, but we can trust in you. Father, today, within this place, there are those individuals who 
quite honestly, God, have probably had moments of anxiety. Fearful moments have consumed them. Some of them today, God, even were fearful about coming to church because of this silent giant that's out there that, that we can't see. But God, just as David stood before the giant Goliath, and just as he looked to the giant Goliath who mocked, who scoffed, and who talked down to who little David was, David looked him in the eye and he spoke the words, and he said, today you will be mine. And God, today, we speak to the silent giant that's trying to rule this world. And God, we stand not in our own strength, but we stand in the confidence of Christ because we want him to be known in us and we want to know him. We want to grow deeper with him, God. We will not fear. We will not be anxious. We will not, we will not compromise, but we will stand true to be known by him and to make him known to those around us. With head bowed and eyes closed today, if you're going through a season and just being real in this place today, you come through a season where maybe you have feared and maybe you have had anxiousness and maybe you had anxious thoughts and maybe you're struggling, maybe not about this, but maybe about something else, maybe about a relationship or maybe it's about a loved one that's sick. Whatever it is, I just want you right now where you're at, just with your head bowed and eyes closed, I want you just right just now just to say to God, say, God, I want to know you have this. Let me trust you. Let me hold on to you because you're the only one that can make a difference in this situation. God, Help us to know you and to make you known, to be acquainted with you, to suffer with you, and to have victorious life with you, because that is who you are. You're a way maker. You're a promise keeper. There is none like you. You've been listening to a ministry of Crossview Church in Keokuk, Iowa with Pastor Kevin Hardcastle. For more information about service times and activities, visit our website, crossviewkeokuk.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumbo Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumbo Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.